Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our list. Amen. You guys may be seated. Right on. Can we give it up for the worship team? You guys are awesome. And I love that set. And then Marky. Come on, can we get up for Marky Mark? <laughs> I'm going to move this, Jonathan, right over here. Well, good morning, Coin Church. How you guys doing? Good? I hope you're doing well. I'm jumping right into this because we have a lot to cover. And if you were here last week, uh, what we're starting as a community in the next coming weeks, all the way into October 31st, So we're going to devote a couple of weeks to this. We're going to open up the scriptures and look specifically at, because we're in the month of Halloween, uh, you know, spooky stuff, uh, weird stuff, scary stuff, uh, spiritual stuff. And so I just decided as as, uh, someone that's just kind of looking over our community, and not only our community, but our our world, right, our, our country at large, our state, our people, um, there's always a reminder that, man, there's there's just something going on, not not here in the physical, but in the spiritual, right? And so I wanted to take a couple of weeks to dive into even things like Satan, right, and not giving him glory, but exposing his tactics, because we talked about this last week, and if you weren't here last week, you can go on our podcast or on our YouTube, you can watch that message, but I, wa- I was thinking there's so many people in the room that, one, you're in process with Jesus, like, you're like, you know, I want him to be my teacher, my rabbi, I, I want to submit under him, or, or maybe you're in this room and you're just not quite sure. You're here by, maybe for you it's coincidence, or, or you were just brought here by a friend or someone, and, and you're just kind of like on the, on the fence with this whole God thing. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage you and invite you into this, that there is something going on in the spiritual world but especially and more specifically to those that claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there is something to be said about the tactic of the enemy of our soul. And we're going to dive into that. I think it's important. Right on? So here's the title, or, or as we continue our collection this month, you know, All Things Evil, right? We're going to take a deeper look at the enemy of our soul, right? So in the New Testament, a constant theme is the danger to the reader and to the people to be aware of Over and over and over, false teachers, false teachers, false teachers. Paul brings it up. Jesus brings it up. The the disciples of Jesus in the epistles, they bring this, this tactic of deception and sin, but really at the root of all of that is just lies, ideas of lies. But deceptions turns to temptation, which will turn to sin. So the title of our talk today is... We are at war. That's kind of the collections of talks, but the sub point, the main point is lies and deception. Sort of like a part two of last week. If you were here last week, there is so much to cover. And to be honest, I have a lot to cover today. And if we, if we can't get there, maybe we'll bring it up next week. But we're going to jump right into this. All right, you guys good? You guys, you guys relax or you're like tense, like, wow, he's going to talk about the devil, right? No, it's not going to be like that, I promise. <laughs> I also want to uh, dive in a little bit more into like spiritual authorities or at least what they are. And um, that's not the point of today's conversation, but we, we may go there in the future, right? All temptation to sin is to believe a lie. It starts with a lie. All temptation. 
all idea, and we're going to look today at, at what the serpent in the garden did, it, was, it began with an idea that was a lie. And then that lie, what, what happens is, if you live that long enough, it, it becomes a reality in your life. Jesus, uh, he ties deception and temptation to a creature called uh, Satan or the devil or the serpent. We talked about this last week, right? Just a quick recap. But the second or third tier, which is most important, is the devil's primary strategy, which is to be the father of lies. Jesus said that in the Gospels, that he is the father of lies. So the devil's strategy is this. I talked about this last week. Lies, lies, and more lies that play into disordered desires or wantings. Disordered desires or wantings. That is individual to yourself, by the way, or collective so lies about desires or wantings on you, and then that eventually becomes normalized in your life and then in an anti-God society, right? So remember John 8, I'm going to read it again. John 8, 44 to 45 says, you belong to your father, Jesus said, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There it is. Yet because I, Jesus, tell you the truth, you do not believe me. The tricky part of living our life is finding out what are lies and what's not, right? My Lord, especially today, it's like what on earth is the truth anymore? I don't know if you feel that or you resonate that with me, but it's all over the news. Just to point that out for a second, right? What is real news anymore? And then what is fake news? <laughs> and what can I believe? Like literally, what can I believe when I turn on the news or social media or I'm on Instagram and Lord help us with that, right? This scientist said this and that one said that or this is what the left is saying is true. Oh, but that's, that's a lie. Well, this is what the right is saying is true. That's a lie too. Well, this is what happened on social media. Like, do you see the story and the events of what happened, right? Check this video out of the, the new news that's come out. Over and over and over, we're like inundated with this, right? Or am I the only one? It's like, man, help us. I'm like literally stressing out just about that alone. Because you see, the question is, what is it about these lies or ideas or just being inundated by this propaganda and you can er insert your own question in there, right? So I, I think about this, this perspective. If you really want to deceive someone, so notes on a Sunday morning on how to deceive someone, okay? <laughs> if you really want to deceive someone, give them 95% truth. And the 5% that's the most important, the biggest lie, insert that 5% as the main portion of it the most destruction part, destructive part of it. And yet we see that over and over and over. How to deceive someone, 101. 95% is accurate, but the 5% that's most important is inaccurate. And I would argue the devil is really the enemy, the serpent, the dragon of your soul is really good at that with you individually and collectively at large, right? Could, would you agree with me? You're like, nah, not really. I believe this so much that I wanted to dive into this with us as a community. So turn to your Bibles, or you're going to have it on the screen, to Genesis chapter 3, okay? We're going to go Old Testament in the very beginning. It's like page 3 of your Bible. 
And we, we're going to go more in depth here. If you read it as history or mythology or as ancient Near Eastern imagery, this, is a, this isn't about, John, this is about genre of literature, not about theology. I talked about that last week. Either way, this story is true. Now, it's true, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, okay? If you're not, you can listen in and process on your own. But for those that claim Jesus as truth, as the Bible, as the word of God, we believe this, right? then we have to agree that it's, it's truth and it's theology and it's real. How it happened, I have no idea. The depth of it is extreme. It's just beyond my comprehension. It's cosmic. We don't really know. Was it a big bang? Was it this or that? How did it happen? I have no idea, but I do know that God created the heavens and the earth. So if you read this, it's deep. It's in-depth. It's not something as simple, to be honest, as like a Bible, I don't know if I'd be like just someone that loves the scriptures, that's committed to like theology and scholarship of the Bible. And I I love this stuff, but when you go deeper in it, it's like, oh my gosh, I really didn't, like I thought I knew, but I didn't. Or I was taught this way and it's actually like off. Genesis 3, we're gonna read this, it's the fall. Verse one of Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty. That word serpent means cunning, I'm sorry, that word crafty is cunning, wily, or a con artist. Deceitful, okay? Deception at its most. That serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. Watch this, the Lord God had made. Did you catch that? The Lord God had made. We don't have enough time, Lord help us, maybe next week. But God created the heavens and the earth, guys. He created the creatures. He created the rulers and authorities. He created not only what is here physical, but what is there supernatural or spiritual. And there was a fall in the heavens, okay? All you got to do is look it up in scripture. Satan did fall from heaven and it was because of arrogance that he wanted to be like that word translated God is Elohim, meaning very simply without going in depth, the God of all gods, because this was written in a time where there were many gods. And the author, arguably, you know, Abraham or Moses, who, you know, is writing and saying, this is what all the other mythologies or ancient Near Eastern people and cultures are saying. This is the true story of the true God. And he is Elohim, God of all the other gods. Nevertheless, he created the enemy. Did you know that? He created Satan. Like, he created everybody. And Satan fell because he wanted to be like Elohim. And we'll see this later. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 95% true, 5% false. Whatever this creature is, right, is not just some ordinary serpent or would we interpret it like a snake. He's different. He's cunning. He's crafty. Remember, there's, there's deep imagery in the Old Testament it might not, honestly, we know it's like a talking snake, really? Remember, we're in a complete different literature. Nevertheless, this thing or person or creature was crafty and cunning like a scithering snake, right? A snake in the grass. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from uh, we may eat fr fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like Elohim. 
You will be like God. Don't you want that? Isn't that enticing? You'll be like God, not only like God, but you'll know good from evil. Remember, this creature or snake or personification of the devil or the enemy, he doesn't come with a stick or a gun or a sword. What does he come with? An idea. Again, we shared this last week. This is his ultimate tactic, guys, in your life and in my life. This is his blueprint strategy. Before we get into demonization and and casting out demons and all that stuff, which is true, and Jesus did it, his main blueprint strategy or thesis statement is an idea that's a lie. He starts with that in all cultures, in all continents, in all peoples. And then watch how he starts to play on Eve's heart. Remember, Adam and Eve are an archetype of humanity, okay? of you and I. We are in this story, Adam and Eve. Humanity, Adam, and Eve meaning life, okay? I don't know if you knew that. They're an archetype. It's deep literature, okay? So yes, we can read it literal, but there's also something else going on in the genre of the literature and the scripture. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, she saw it was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man of his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, Adam and Eve hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He said, who told you? He said, well, I hid and I was afraid. Why are you afraid? I hid, I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you God said you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you? And it's like, God knew, come on, right? Did you do that one thing I told you not to do, humanity? Did you listen? Did you obey? I gave you an invitation to just obey. It wasn't forced, it wasn't robotic. Love does not force, right? Love is open, love is choice. It's not force. The man said, I love this part. The man said, verse 12, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit and she, she gave it to me and then I ate it. I love this because not only is it funny, I laugh at this every time because he says, not only the woman, but the woman you gave me. Like I was just kind of chilling and then I woke up and she was there. Like what? That, that you did this, God right? And notice it's funny, but it's also true. It's very serious because it's the true human condition. Why? We love to blame and never take responsibility. We love that. As a people, it doesn't matter where you're from or where you're raised. We love, love, love to never take responsibility. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, Again, the serpent deceived me and I ate, right? Constant, not me, not me, not me. But this is proof enough that ignorance is enough for us to sin. Do you get that? Ignorance is enough for us to sin. We can have a good heart and good intentions, but still mess up our mind and our body and our soul, not even knowing it by ignorance. 
That's why the truth is important, right? The snake deceived me and I ate it. Disobedience of what God said not to do. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, the devil, the evil one, the dragon of the soul, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, I will put a war between you and humanity. Because Eve, remember, was an archetype of humanity. However you read that, that's between you and God. But it's an archetype, Adam and Eve. So I'm going to put division and war between the enemy, the serpent, and between humanity. In other words, yeah. And bring... And then he says, and between your offspring and hers. So he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So side note, really cool. A number of scholars would point out of this, the first hint in all of the library of scriptures of Jesus, that he will crush your head, right? Many will say that verse, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel is the first glimpse that Jesus will come and, and undo what happened, that closing line is what Jesus was referring to in, in John 8, we just read, right, about the father of lies. So then Jesus ties the devil and his strategies to lies, right, in the story. Again, if you study philosophy, okay, you guys good? I know this is a lot, but if you study philosophy or you're just interested in it, there are essentially three great questions of life, and we're going to have this on the screen. Three great, great questions, wait, three great questions of life. All right, we're good here. Are you guys good? The first is, who is God? you got to ask yourself that question in life. You have that one point. What is above me? What is, what is this? Who is God? The next is, who are we? Or who am I? And then what is the good life? How do I get that good life wherever it is? Another way of putting it is Theology. Asking yourself about this in-depth study of God or anthropology or identity, right? The three main questions or morality. The devil comes at Eve with all three categories. Who is God? Verse 5. God knows that if you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Translation, God isn't who he claims to be. Has he ever said that to you? Have you ever thought that? Has the enemy of the soul ever brought that up? God's not who he claims to be. He's holding out on you. Deception is at its best, right? Distortion of who God is. He's not really who he says he is. The next is who are you? You will be like God, like Elohim. Or you can be like God. You're not just you're not a human being like with a place in the cosmos, the lie would say. You don't really have a place here with design in your mind or body or sexuality. No, you can actually be like God, whatever you want. Not intent, whatever you want. And then, what is the good life? Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Translation, ignore all the other beautiful trees that God has to offer. All the things in life that are good and healthy and pure and honest and true. But what do we do? We get brought into like this nice shiny thing. Why don't you come try this? Eat this, try this, have this, experience this. Go here or go there. And then, then you will be happy. 
Do you resonate with this? It is the lie of an idea of the enemy himself. This is the primary goal of the lies of the devil, about who God is, who you are, who we are, and about the good life to be happy and full. So what we believe about the good life is based on what, what it means to be human, which is in turn what we believe about God or no God or is there creator or is there no creator? Like, is this all just blind chance? Think of this thought, okay? I'm sorry, we just have to go deep. Are you guys okay with going deep? This is like deep stuff. I know, it's, sometimes it's like, what's going on here? But bear with me, we're gonna go somewhere here. Think of this thought. I'm gonna have it on the screen. Creator, which is, if there is a creator, then there is design, right? If there's design, then you're not an accident. Someone actually made you. Then there is intent if somebody made you for all of you, every aspect of who you are. And if there is intent, then there is morality from the creator for right, wrong, yes, and not. If there is morality, then there is what we don't like, accountability. And we need a lot of that, right? responsibility. But if there is no creator, life just kind of finds its way, right? Probability and statistic, whatever that means. And then if there's no design, then some sort of theory of like how we got here, whatever that theory is for you, however you've heard it, like how did we get here or evolve or be made or like if there's no creator, then how did, how did this happen? How am I here? And then if there's no design, there's no intent, which is just survival of the fittest, right? And we're definitely overpopulated, so let's just fix that. Well, if we care about that, then again, then there's no accountability. Who are you to judge me? You do you, and I'll do me. Keep your laws off my body, and what I do is what I do, right? Now, why is this strategy from the devil or Satan so good, and why do we fall for it? Again, it is by the spirit and truth for those who claim Jesus that we are transformed into the image of Christ by spirit and truth that we are set free and we live with all that is good in the world. And, okay, spirit and truth, okay? We're gonna go deeper in that. And then the antithesis of that, which is anti-Christ or anti-God, the next is by isolation and lies, that we are deformed into the image of Satan himself, the great enemy of our soul. So break this down. Dr. Felix did a phenomenal job at spirit, right? I don't know if you remember that. I'm just gonna kind of go real practical here. Spirit meaning presence, okay? You guys got that part? Spirit, spirit and truth. Spirit just meaning there's a presence, right? There's a wind, there's a ruah, there's, there's a meaning behind that which is leading you and guiding you. Then there is truth. Now we'll argue what is truth. The plain and simple way to say it is what is reality? If I walk over this edge and I like think I can float, I'm gonna fall. Is that not reality? Would that not be truth? <laughs> Sammy, you're gonna fall. Lenya, don't walk over the edge. You're gonna get hurt. Well, oh no, I, I can do it. No, that's, that's a lie. That's not truth. You're gonna fall. You're gonna get hurt. That's reality, right? We got that? Spirit and truth. Or another way to put it, and by the way, we need both. We need both presence and meeting. We need both presence and truth or relationship and reality of God's views. This is why, watch this, this is beautiful. Jesus had to come in presence, okay? 
physically. There was a presence. There was a spirit. He came as a human. He put on flesh and blood and, and walked amongst us. Remember, he's cosmic. He's big. He's the creator of the universe coming down in flesh and blood, presence as a human being and in relationship and then as teacher, right? He is the great teacher, the great rabbi, which is speaking truth and reality or meaning of life. So imagine going to a therapist or even church. Now remember, especially if they're not healthy, that's why we try really hard. I'm constantly in prayer. God, make this healthy. Make me healthy. Father, teach me. Speak to me. I need, I need to make sure that this is healthy. It's important. What does the scripture say? I'm going to follow that. I'm not going to go on my own court or my own guidance. I'm going to go by what you say. It's got to be healthy. Why? Because some therapists or churches, they will change your life, right? And others actually will destroy you or could destroy you. Why? Because if you get in alone, if you get alone in a room with a spirit or presence, with a therapist or a pastor, and then you feel safe, don't you? Do you feel safe? I don't know if you do. Maybe you don't. I feel safe when I come to church. Like, man, this, this is a safe place for me. I trust people here. I'm in community. There's a presence to this place, right? But what happens when you feel safe and then lies are put into you? What if I was preaching lies? Many wouldn't allow that. Doc wouldn't. My mom wouldn't. People in here wouldn't. But what if, what if I was speaking lies to you? It was like 95% true, 5% false. And then there is actually no one to either affirm or correct it, especially if you're in therapy, right? That's dangerous. That's why I say personally, you can push back. I encourage like Christian therapists because there's a difference. There's a big difference. Few things are more toxic or dangerous than these two, spirit and truth. So think of parenting. I'm almost done here. Think of parenting. Has a great effect of who you become or who you are. That's right. And has arguably the biggest effect in our life. Parenting. No wonder the devil or the serpent or the great enemy of our soul wants to go after your marriage. No wonder he wants your singleness. No wonder he wants your sexuality as a male or female. And thus, eventually, the enemy, no wonder he's after your family. Spirit and truth. What is good parenting? Brought up in the presence of a hopefully loving and, and, and loving mother and a loving father, right? Hopefully both. Healthy, loved God, trust him. They're not perfect, but they do their best. And then they bring up truth, which is who God is and who you are and what the good life is in this world. There's learning, there's growing, there's discipling, there's disciplining, and there's order to good parenting, right? Then what about bad parenting? Complete opposite. No presence from either mom or dad, oftentimes dad. Workaholicism, right? They're always gone. They're just not present. They're not around. They're not there. They don't even really care. Some don't even have mom or dad around or one or the other. Then it gets worse. They spill or speak lies to you. Parents will lie to you, unfortunately. No one's perfect, but the unhealthy ones even more. About your identity, about who you are, you're just like your mom and dad. You're not good enough. You'll never get this. You'll never pass this. You shouldn't do that. You, that's not how we do it here, right? You'll never go anywhere. So how does the devil bring and ruin 
us into society, what does he do? He brings isolation of his voice and then he brings and he, he captivates your own desires. Look at Eve. He, he, the devil, gets her alone and then he lies to her. And then he plays to her desires, right? This is still how he does it, guys. The enemy still is doing this. It's like, this is the great tactic of the enemy, our enemy, who cannot stand you. Scripture says he wants to kill, steal, and do. He is the murderer and a murderer from the beginning. Look at Cain and Abel. Look at what happens. He wants you to think and be like Elohim. Then there's the Tower of Babel, literature, powerful, that we want. Not only did Cain uh, kill Abel, right? that there was this wickedness out here, but there was a wickedness in here. And then for all of humanity, we've been struggling with this and it's played on the ideas of the enemy. So guys, we have to open our eyes. It's so important that we see this as a church, that we must be watchmen and watchwomen looking at what is going on in the cultural moment over your family, over your children, over your relationship, over your marriage. Please don't be blind to this tactic. I'll never forget about parenting or mothering when my mom had just a really big effect on my life. I made a very bad mistake in high school, really bad. And the cops were called. They called my mom, and I knew I was in trouble. I made a bad mistake. And my mom was at the house. It was really late. She was in the back room, and I was just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. This is just bad. You know, have you ever, like, done something really bad, and you just, like, you don't know what to do? And I was, I was, you know, 18 years old, and I remember, I'll never forget this. My mom had a really serious talk with me that night, but it was done in love and sincerity. It was presence, but then it was also truth. She wasn't mad or angry or violent or took all this stuff away from me. It was a very calm presence, and I knew what I did was wrong, but she loved me. And I think back, I wonder how I would have been when I walked back to my room that night if my mom would have scolded me, told me I wasn't good enough, told me, look at the mistakes that you've made. And then you go in your room, you lay in bed, and then what happens? You're in isolation, and who begins to lie to you, right? Whether it's yourself or the enemy or an idea, and then you're in isolation, and you just start speaking the worst things over your life. Remember, that this is so important to understand. This is the last part, the last passage of scripture. If the worship wants to come on up, but you can play behind me because that sounds really good. Luke chapter four, verse one says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay? He just got baptized and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When 40 days he was there and he was tempted by who? the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. He was fasting. The devil said to him, notice, if, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. The first thing the devil says is the very thing that God said he is. You are my son of you are my son, Jesus, in whom I'm well pleased. The first lie that the enemy will bring is the very opposite of what God says about you. Really? If you're the son of God? So now he's coming against his identity. 
Notice that a couple verses back, Jesus is baptized, right? And then verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in all the kingdoms of the world, and he, the devil, said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me, interesting. I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Quick side note, hopefully it doesn't confuse you, it probably will. Notice that Jesus didn't disagree with this, this statement, right? That's for you to look into, or we'll talk about it next week. Jesus answered, it is written again, Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Then they will lift up their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered again, Deuteronomy is like his favorite book. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, He left him until an opportune time. This is really cool, by the way, theology. It's a retelling of Genesis 3, okay? Jesus succeeds where Adam and Eve, us, the first man, Adam, failed. Jesus succeeds. How did Jesus fight the devil, church? And how should we, he's not angry or screaming or fighting or frantic or nervous or, or, or distraught. No, he's calm and he's easy and he's relaxed because he knows who God is in his life and he knows what his call is here on earth, right? He's in the wilderness in prayer and solitude. He's fasting. His mind is saturated on scriptures he, he stands and he stands his guard against the assault of the devil. He just stands and he stands firm and he stands confident. And that my encouragement for us and for me is that's what we should do, stand. But it's deeper than just standing, right? We see that there's spiritual disciplines. It's a spiritual warfare. This is what Jesus does. These habits, like Doc said, embedded empowered by the spirit of God is against the warfare of the devil by these habits we set our mind and our body to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit and to set us free with spirit and with truth here's a quote from this and worship team you guys can come on I'm literally done as we first this is Dallas Willard I love this as we first turn away from God in our thoughts our thoughts so it is that in our thoughts that the first movements towards renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. The process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing those destructive images and ideas from the devil with the images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves us towards a total interchange of our ideas as an image for his. In other words, you are in charge of your own mind. Do you know that? Yeah, you are. You're in charge of the things you say. No one's forcing you to say those things. No one's forcing you to talk down on yourself. No one's telling you that you're not good enough. Who's saying those things? Who told you that you're not gonna make it? 
Who told you that you don't amount to anything? I'm sorry if it's a wound from a father or a mother, bad parenting of presence and spirit, but you have to put on the presence of God and allow his spirit and his truth to embody you. And it's done with the scriptures and it's done with him and who he is and what he says about you. It can be the greatest place of your freedom, your thoughts, your mind, or it will become the greatest place of your slavery. The greatest place, church. The effect that lies can have on our lives. Everything that enters in our mind has an effect on us. Did you know that? Psychologists in the room, like getting your master's degree, it's like, I love this stuff. Everything, that, it's all in the scriptures. Right? That there's, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Where does the tongue come from? The mind. We think these thoughts, and what happens is we're inundated with social media and Instagram and TikTok, Lord help us, right? And the news and all these things, and lies and lies and lies are coming to us, and we never open the scriptures, we don't know what God says about it, we don't know what Jesus says, and now we embody these lies, and these lies become a part of who we are, and then we live them out, and we're living lies that become a reality. And now we're slaves to our sin. So what we give our attention to will shape and grow the trajectory of our being. Think of this. The average American in, is in front of TV for three to four hours a day. I don't know if you knew that. It gets worse. The average millennial is on his or her phone five hours a day. It gets worse. The average Gen Zer spends even more time than the millennial on their phone. Many of us spend hours each day, each week, filling our minds with lies over and over again that cut off our mind with the spirit and with the truth, right? Guys, I understand it's spiritual warfare. It's demonic oppression. I get those things. I've experienced those things. They're terrifying. But what his number one tactic is, is to lie to you, to tell you and give you an idea like he did to Adam and Eve, and then he will strip you of everything he has because he is a murderer, he is the father of lies, and we have to combat that and push back on that and fight against the enemy of your soul. We are at war. We are at war with evil. And watch this. If you do that long enough, we will start to resemble the devil more than Jesus. If you're inundated with all that, you're going to start, and that's not good. Not me. I don't know about you, but not me. Not me in my house, not me and Kelly, not me and Lenya and our future children. I will refuse, I reject to fight. I do not, I will not allow the enemy's assignment over my life and over my family to come against me, right? But I gotta combat it with spiritual maturity, with, with disciplines of the faith. No more discord, no more talking about each other. What are we doing? We gotta be in community and unity. The devil wants to, he just wants to conquer and divide conquer and divide and we must fight against that man this is I don't know about you this is good to me I love this stuff so hey will you stand and read this with me the worship you guys keep playing we're going to put this on the screen this is scripture right here this is how we do it okay we're going to read this together I'm going to read it with you read it out loud with me if you're comfortable okay therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, next scripture. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And then the last scripture. Be alert 
and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm going to put the scripture in my mind. I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to push back on this thing, not on my own accord, but on the spirit of God. All right? Because he is after your your family and your marriage and your children and not here in this community and our church. Right on? Amen? So we got to stand our ground. Just stand your ground. Just stand your ground. Don't let him lie to you. Don't let him tell you those things. Fight back, combat that back with the scripture and the word of God. We're going to worship.